Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. The CBJ finally picked up a win in regulation, but the rest of last week wasn't as awesome. On this episode, we'll dive into a wild week of close games, big announcements, and some more goalie drama. I am Ryan Real. Joining us for this week, we've got Pale Dragon. Hey, PD. Hey, Ryan. Happy to be here. Glad to have you on. We've got Elaine Shercliffe. Hi, Elaine. Hi, Ryan. And we've got Will Chase. Hey, Will. Hey guys. So let's jump right into it. The Blue Jackets went one and two last week, beating Arizona on Thursday night in regulation after a close home loss to Vegas on Tuesday. They followed up that win with a four to two loss in Colorado that saw a nasty elbow from Nick Felino on Pierre Edward Belmare and some more goalie antics from Ioannis Corposalo. Let's just go ahead and let's just talk about Felino because it happened a few hours before we recorded this podcast in terms of the announcement. He's going to miss three games. Three games he'll be back for Detroit, but that's going to be in a week and some change. So I think everybody kind of agrees on it was a it was a gross play. It was unfelino like. He was very contrite, but at the same time, not not good and probably worthy of three games. But what do we think? I think well, I I said this on the artillery pod yesterday uh, that they all thought that he would get like one game, and I was like, he's going to get three because it was a bad hit, but also. Anytime the league has a chance to send a message, they're going to take it. You suspend Lucic or uh, Tom Wilson, it just kind of goes like in one ear and out the other across the league. Like, oh yeah, they're suspended again. You suspend Nick Felino, people start looking at their hits and being like, oh, well, Nick Felino would get suspended for that, so maybe I should be a little bit more careful. I don't know if it was warranted the three games, though. That I, I'm maybe like... One, two, he was ejected. So it's not like he didn't get penalized during the game. So three, right. three is a little, a little aggressive, I think, especially for it being not head hunting. I, uh, I don't have a problem with three games, but with that said, I don't really understand. Maybe it's just me, but I don't really understand the, I guess the criteria for some of these suspensions to be as long or as short as they might be. For like you mentioned Lucic and sure, two games, okay, fine. But it could have been three in my mind, or maybe more, maybe less. Maybe not necessarily less, but 
just using that as an example. So I kind of did think he would be maybe one or two games, maybe two at the most, and definitely three at the very most, and they went with three. So, okay, fine. But I don't know how they determine, especially for Felino being a not, not a, you know, for not being a repeat offender, I don't really understand how they come to the number that they come to, unless it definitely is, yeah, we want to make an example out of him and out of this, which I can see. But if another hit later on in the year happens, um, and it's let's say it is a repeat offender, I mean, who knows what the number will be. But I always kind of think it's somewhat inconsistent, but that's just me. Yeah, no, it's not just you, Will. I, I am also frustrated with the lack of consistency with the rulings that they hand down and the apparently arbitrary way that they assign games. Lucic, for example, punching Sherwood, he gets two games for that for something that is very much, I think, not a hockey play. And yet Felino did a hockey play. Now it was a it was a bad hockey play and it was an unsafe hockey play. But yeah, it feels like they're not being judged on the same scale. Uh, and the thing that really frustrates me about it, and I watched the video, and the video had a good explanation as for why the suspension was assessed. You know, it was an elbow, it was to the head, he went in high, he went in at speed. And I agree with all that. It was a bad hit, shouldn't have happened, he deserves to be punished for it. But they also considered that an injury resulted from it. And I right. think that's a, I think that's a big problem because the whether or not there's injury, that should not matter. The hit should be judged on what kind of hit it is. Because I've seen players get injured as a result of clean plays. And I've seen dirty plays that we've been fortunate to not have major injuries from. So that should not be taken into consideration. It should just be, was this a bad hit? Or not, and I think as as jacket fans we get frustrated because we see cases where our players have been hit, and the penalty assessed has not been as severe. Uh, Charlie McAvoy got what just one game for his hit on Josh Anderson at the end of that series. Nikita Kucherov just got one game for taking a knee to Marcus Tudovar's head. Like there's, I mean, I know it's like playoffs, but again, that shouldn't matter. Like it should just be about. It should be matter who the player is, what game situation it is. It's like, was that a good or a bad hit? You know, so I think it would be helpful if the NHL were to uh, create some more hard and fast rules as for what kind of hits result in what kind of suspension length. That would make things a little more clear, a little more transparent. So, yeah, that that's that's my frustration with them. I do think that uh, two things do need to be factored a little bit into it. I think intent needs to be factored in like. Luch, his intent, very clear, was to hurt Sherwood. And with the way he responded in quotes in postgame and the next day, he had zero remorse. Not like Felino, on the other hand, not his intent to injure and was super remorseful. You know, I think mm-hmm. that kind of has to come into play because if they, you, I mean, you can't force a person to have some compassion or empathy, but, you know, not having any sort of remorse and you know it's intent, that's that's bad. But I think sometimes an injury needs to come into play in that uh, ruling just because a team is missing their player now. Like, they're, they're missing a player because of something our player did. So I, I think it needs, it doesn't need to be heavily weighed Like, if a player is out all season and someone gets, like, one game for a hit that was also intentionally bad, 
Right, right. Like they shouldn't, <laughs> they should be getting more than that because it was intentional and it, it caused a lot of harm. I get accidents happen, but I feel like in recent history, we've seen more intentional hits to cause harm than accidental hits. Not saying Felino's was intentional. Right. And the news on Belmare is good. I do think the, in, I mean, the injury matters to the NHL, right or wrong. It's a hit to the head. They've been trying to legislate it out for years. It's a, it's an unfortunate play. And I think probably like you talked about with, with the video, it looks, you don't you never want to say it's a bad look when we're talking about somebody getting hit in the head, but it looked bad the way his elbow came out, clearly missing the hit otherwise. So three games, I get it, but maybe this will be a chance for some of the young guys to play. Eric Seeds, frequent member of this podcast, wrote an article last week on jacketscannon.com about getting the young guys some some playing time. So maybe this will create an opportunity for some other players. Or maybe they'll play PLD 25 minutes. Who knows? Impossible to say. We'll find out. <laughs> that said, last week, another week of close games. They managed to win one in Arizona, but... Another week of kind of some inconsistent play yet again and, and trouble scoring. Well, with the, with the Vegas, let me, let me just start with the Vegas game. It, it was another situation of didn't finish, but they had tons of chances. Maybe statistically and analytically, they should have won that game. But obviously, the score on the board is all that matters. And just real fast, I recapped the Coyotes game. And it seemed to me that it was finally one of those games where lucky breaks or fortunate breaks finally went their way, meaning... And maybe players were just, it wasn't so much fortunate breaks as it was being in the right place at the right time and making the most of the opportunity. But certain goals like Bemstrom's power play goal, just a weird kind of fluky behind the net where he was when he shot that puck and got it past the goalie and Darcy Kemper. So just kind of, at least in that Arizona game, it was finally like maybe a little bit of uh, something to grow off of. And then, of course, Colorado's game kind of, I guess, takes that away. Yeah, I think that the uh, yeah the, the offense has has been a big problem and that lack of finishing. There's been a lot of talk about the goalies lately, but they are not the reason why we are losing these games. It's the failure to score consistently. And yeah, there have been some games where we've created the chances, but that lack of finishing it's so frustrating. And because it's hard to identify exactly why they aren't finishing. You know, is it something in their technique? Is it something in the way they're playing? Or is it just really bad luck? And if it's just bad luck, there's just no way to fix it. You just have to wait for the luck to turn, which I think it will at some point. But, you know, I can't be certain as to when that's going to happen. Uh, but I think for the most part, the goalies have been keeping us in games, you know, uh, and just been waiting for the offense to make something happen. And it they just hasn't happened enough uh, in the recent weeks. No, there have been a lot of, of articles and analysis pointing to the Blue Jackets' lack of luck and how tight these games have been. It's not the goaltender's fault. It's not, it's not all on them. That said, if you do have somebody like Bob, they're probably going to steal a couple of those one-goal games. But that's, that's the reality we live in. Well, and I think that a goalie like Bob can cover up for a lot of problems. True. So in some ways, it's a good thing to put the pressure back on the skaters like, hey, you guys need to be focused every shift because there's not a goalie back there that's going to cover for all of your mistakes. You know, you need right. to help help these goalies out. Allison Lucan at The Athletic had a great article breaking down various facets of the game so far this season for the Jackets and 
Uh, it looked like one of the big weaknesses was the transition game. So like defensively, the Jackets have been pretty good, but it's transitioning out of the defensive zone where they've often had turnovers and those have led to the best scoring chances for the opponents. And that's something that they really need to clean up and that will help out the goalies a lot. Mm-hmm. I do think that they need to communicate better. I, I think I noticed um, a difference between the way the defense and offense reacted to Elvis when he was in the Monsters compared to how they talked to each other on the ice in Columbus, and it just didn't seem like they talk as much. So I wonder if maybe there's a communication issue between goaltenders and uh, the people who tend to post up in front of them. Mm. But I'm not up there all the time, so I don't. I mean, I don't know. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Speaking of the goaltenders and young Elvis Merzlikens, Elvis was sent down last week to get him more playing time in Cleveland while the Jackets were on the road. Jonas Corbisalo had another outburst in Colorado, similar to his one against Philadelphia, nowhere near the scale, but similar in nature. And it was announced that Elvis is coming back to the Jackets and he will start against Montreal on Tuesday. Crazy times. Uh, it's, it's fun to have all this drama in November if you live for <laughs> drama. But may not be so much fun to experience as a fan who wants the team to win as many games as possible. So where does that leave us with Elvis, who did play admirably? You can read about it on the canon from Elaine in a 2-1 loss to the Laval Rocket. So where does that leave us with with the goaltending situation right now? So first, I think, yes, Corby needs to maybe tone it down a bit with his anger, but his his quotes today about how he thinks like it's his fault or like it falls a lot on him and uh, the way the team's been playing, I think is um, I think he needs to stop carrying that weight because it's not, he's not the reason why they're not scoring goals. He is the reason why sometimes the goals get scored against him, but not 100%. So there's clearly some sort of like, I don't want to say confidence, but he there's clearly an issue going on there. And I wonder if there's something else going on because no matter how bad the defense played down in Cleveland and no matter how many goals he let up, no matter how frustrated he got, I've never seen him be this angry before. And for it to happen twice in a short amount of time, I got to believe that there's something else going on or maybe they're just, maybe he's crushing under that pressure of, holding the team on his back, which I feel like he shouldn't even be thinking of it that way. And if they're worried about Corpy's outbursts, you know, we've seen, I've seen Elvis's antics overseas. (laughs) He has it in him to be just as bad, if not more fiery than Corpusalo. So I think he will do very well this season. If they put him in the one spot for a little bit while They figure out what's up with Corpy, but also he has the potential to go 
rage mode as well. So they they need to figure out a way to make it so that the goalies don't feel like the world is on their shoulders. So kind of on the other side of it, more on the Elvis side, I was thinking about, you know, with Elvis's return to the team and the net tomorrow night in Montreal. And originally, you know, prior to prior to finding out that he'll be back tomorrow and starting, he was, it was already going to be like this, you know, how will he respond to the demotion and coming back and all that. But now in light of his return to the team sooner than expected, and as a result of Corpus Allo's, you know, outburst following the fourth goal in Denver on Saturday, I feel like it's still the same, you know, how will Elvis fare? How will he respond? But if I'm Elvis, I'm thinking this is really my shot to prove that I belong and should be up here playing consistently. And I just feel like he'll still have the same questions to answer as far as with his play, you know, how will I, how will I respond to the emotion being back and all that. But I feel like now there's an added emphasis for a statement game from him, or at least to show like, Hey, I should have been up here all along and I should be playing more. So Still the same questions for him to answer in his with his game, but I feel like if this is if I'm him, this is my chance to really take that opportunity and run with it. So my problem with with Corpy's behavior is not so much like him, you know, showing up his teammates, losing his composure. It's that I think it shows that he's in the wrong mindset in a game. Um, mm. As a goalie, you have to have thick skin and a short memory, you know, because you're going to give up goals from time to time, but you need to put that out of your mind, you know, seconds after it happens so that you can focus on stopping the next shot, you know, and the next shot, the one after that. So if Corpy is letting goals get to him, that's a bad sign because it means the, the opponent's getting into his head. It means he's going to be playing tight. He's going to be putting more pressure on himself. And I think that is going to affect his performance going forward. I think it we've seen in some of these games where it has maybe snowballed a bit. And it's unfortunate because I think he has... He has played well more often than not this season. There have been a few games where he's been bad, but a lot more games where he's only given up two goals in regulation, which to me that seems like, and it's like a quality start for a pitcher in baseball. Like you're doing enough there for your team to compete. You got to expect the offense to score more than two goals. So Mm -hmm. uh, he's had more games that have been like that than the games that have been really bad, but it's not good that he's had a couple of bad games just in the past couple of weeks, uh, I think that affects the coach's perception of him. It might start to have the teammates losing confidence in him, you know, because the teammates need to trust that the goalie's back there and he's going to get the job done. So I would agree with Will. Yeah, I'm excited to see how Elvis responds. Uh, obviously, he's not a goalie that lacks for confidence. We've not seen him be quite as locked in as Corpy has been in some of the games, but he hasn't really gotten consistent opportunities. So I would like to see more of an even split between the goalies going forward. And if the, one of them maybe starts to really uh, grab a hold of that, of that starter job going forward, that'd be great. I have a question though. If, do you think if, you know, Corby just keeps not producing and is frustrated, do you think that they'll trade him, try to trade him come trade deadline? Because well, I don't if, like, I don't think that both of our goalies are ready to, from the monsters are ready to come up and be like a full on backup up here. Well, if, if that's the case with Corpy, I feel like that would torpedo his trade value. And so I'm not sure who would acquire him at that point. Right. But I do Both think they, they need to, they need to make a decision in the summer. Probably it's if either of these guys has the potential to be the long-term starter, because both of them are going to be restricted free agents and, 
probably each one's going to be looking for a multi-year deal. And I think the Jackets can only afford to give away one of those. Right. But that's still, I think that's a decision that's a long ways off. And I think they're going to keep both goalies through to the end of the season. So they have as much information as possible before making that decision. Right. And I want to piggyback on something PD said. I, I, I like the passion. I, there's a, I, I defended the outburst when it came against Philly on this podcast a couple weeks ago. But they specifically said, don't do this anymore. They said it privately. They said it publicly. Do not do this anymore. And he did it again. So they kind of have to bench him. Their hand was right. forced, I think, in this case and going forward. So speaking of hockey and Finland, as we're talking about Jonas Corbosalo. Great segue. The Columbus Blue Jackets. Thank you. The Columbus <laughs> Blue Jackets will play a pair of games next season against the Colorado Avalanche in Helsinki as part of the 2020 NHL Global Series. They said later in the fall, and I'm using air quotes around that, to say when the games will be, our best guess is probably somewhere around now, the way Tampa just played overseas in, in their global games. So probably early November. That's exciting, though. They got a couple of Finns on the roster right now, and uh, I kind of forgot when I wrote the piece that, that Texier also played in Finland. So... It'd be nice for him to get back there as well. So who is going to Helsinki next year? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I might. I honestly might. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like that would be a really fun experience. So hopefully uh, I need to reach out to the team, see if maybe they're going to be offering ticket packages uh, for season ticket holders. That would be that would be nice. Obviously, I'm sure that maybe the jacket backers will put something together. So I'm going to keep an eye out for that once we know when the games are going to be, but yeah, that sounds like a really, really cool experience. And I think I want to be part of it. Same thing. I would really love to go over there and cover it though. I don't want to be there as a fan. I want to be there as like the beat reporter. (laughs) Oh, I I, I totally want, I totally want to be there as a fan. I want to be in the stands. I want to be living up that part of it. Right. No, it, it seems like such a, I mean, it's exciting. It, and hopefully enough Blue Jackets fans go over there and the NHL is like, wow, they'll travel to other countries. Maybe they'll go to an outdoor game. <laughs> that's all that's left, right? Right. It would be cool to go over there. I mean, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go over there and join PD and whoever else. But uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. The international uh, or the global series, the global game is obviously – a big thing for the Blue Jackets franchise to, you know, be on the map and all that. And of course for Yarmo and Corpusalo or, you know, whoever else on the roster from Finland. Yeah. I mean, that's all they're missing is the outdoor game now with they've done, uh, you know, they've had the draft, they've had the all-star game. So yeah, maybe this will finally get them on the map for the NHL outdoor game um, <laughs> in a few years from now. But cool opportunity, I think, for Columbus and the fans. And if I'm not mistaken, they've done an international game before, right? But was it just preseason? No, they played the they opened the season, the 2010 okay. season in Stockholm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep. Ten years ago. That's right. Ugh. Can we start a GoFundMe so that the whole canon can go to, <laughs> to Finland next year? <laughs> That's really cool for the Blue Jackets to get this recognition from the NHL, like Will said, to be able to be a part of a marquee event and to get that recognition to go over there, especially with with Yarmo being the first European GM in the NHL, like Will alluded to. And that's that's exciting. So we will be covering all of that next year when they when they are over there. I, I do have a quick story. When I was a, a young intern in 2010, 
at a, at a college in Maryland. We had started the summer. I had started the summer in, in July or August, maybe. So I hadn't been there for too long. But they knew I was a diehard Jackets fan. And those games that started in Sweden, that the puck drop was like three in the afternoon or something like that. And my boss called a big meeting during that. Like he was like, "Hey guys, we got to meet about lacrosse. We're gonna we're gonna meet at, at three, and we'll probably go for the rest of the afternoon because we got to plan for the stuff for the season." And I was furious. And I like. He came into my office and I couldn't look him in the eye. I was so mad. I'd been looking forward to this for months. And um, turns out he pranked me. And he let me go <laughs> all the way up until three before telling me, like, no, I was just kidding. You can watch the game. So <laughs> I, that's that's how I remember. I will never forget that they started the season in Sweden against the Sharks because that memory is burned so deep in my, in my brain. <laughs> anyway, PD, you mentioned in Cannon Blast, it is a light week this week. There's only two games Real quick, do we think that's, I mean, is that is that good or is that bad? Do, do they need a game experience or could some practice help? We're running out of time, but I, I do want your thoughts on this. Uh, I, th- I think the practice is good, especially after the road trip, just getting used to being back home and and certainly they have things to work on. So, yeah, here's hoping. I would answer based on how they do tomorrow. If they win tomorrow, they'll probably want to keep playing, but they lose or, you know, practice is always good, but I feel like it kind of just depends on how they play tomorrow and be like, you win, you want to keep roll. You want to keep going, you want to keep rolling. If you lose, it's like, all right, back to the drawing board. Yeah. Elaine, the Cleveland Monsters, dropped a pair of games at home to the Laval Rocket. They are at home again on Tuesday night playing Grand Rapids before heading to the state of New York to face off against Rochester and Syracuse. Yes. So on Wednesday, they had played the Griffins in one of those, like, midday games that they do mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. kids in the AHL. 11 a.m. start. 11 a.m. start. Gotta love it, except I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they they played really well. They won five to three. They scored three shorthanded goals against the number two power play in the league. So they you know all cylinders were firing for them. And then this weekend they just uh, against Laval they just um, they tried hard, but they were tired. And it, they're playing five games over the course of nine days. So. And they're not, they weren't all home. So they, you know, traveled a bit in there. And Coach Eves said it, like, sometimes the energy gets to you. And and the Laval Rocket have always been a tough team for them to play against. So, they, I mean, they, they play hard and heavy. They, they want to fight you, <laughs> which <laughs> definitely happened <laughs> each game. I got to say, like, Elvis is a fun one to cover. Because if he is all about backing up, he, he loves the team. It was clear that he respected everyone that was on the ice and wanted to protect them as well as be protected by them. Uh, for instance, Justin Scott got like knocked down right in front of the net and Alexandre Elaine was trying to poke the puck in to the net underneath his pads. Anton Carlson came down and mirrored exactly what uh, Elvis was doing, which was really cool because it it gave Elvis some relief to be able to just finally fall on the puck and let them blow the whistle. But what was really cool and so Elvis and really just like embodies who he is. Right after that, Scott started pushing Alexandre around, Elaine around, and they got into like this scuffle. And then Elvis left the net left the crease and he followed the fight and stared down Elaine, like basically challenging him. (laughs) So 
So you could tell that the players on the the monsters felt very comfortable having him there because they felt that A, he was going to do his job, and B, if things got out of hand, he was going to be there to help them. So, and he was supposed to play on Saturday, but he took a high stick to the face uh, on Friday night and it Mm. caused him to like snap back. And I think he was a little banged up, so he didn't play Saturday, but he still managed to take a puck to the face on Saturday. (laughs) So, (laughs) right. It's going around. It's going (laughs) around the organization right now. He definitely did not have a safe time on the bench on Saturday. But <laughs> but yeah, they play um the Monsters play Tuesday night against the Griffins and they just signed a PTO and he's a defenseman. Andrew Peak took a puck, like a slapper, to the leg on Saturday and didn't get up right away. Went down the tunnel, we never saw him again. I went to practice today and he wasn't practicing. So I'm assuming he's either injured or they're <clears> just giving him an extra day before they go to um the road. So That'll be interesting. And I know a lot of people have been asking me about Trey Fix Wolanski. He uh, is finally back on the ice practicing. He's currently wearing a red jersey. So uh, I don't know when his timetable is to come back. And I don't really know what his injury was. I just know it's an undisclosed lower body. Thank you for the news. He'll be Trey Fixed Wolanski when he's ready to come back. But yes, Powell's own Jason Binkley getting signed. That's exciting. And that's yes. a bio native on the Monsters. You can check out all of Elaine's Monsters coverage on the canon at jacketscanon.com. All right, with that, it is time for final thoughts. Will, you are up first. You know, it's funny. I didn't really know what I was going to say, and then I just saw something, and I was like, with Polino out the next three games, I don't, I'm sure they won't do this, but I was thinking it would be cool if they slap the C on, like, Jones or somebody for three games, but I don't know. Do they just add another A, or are they just down a captain, basically? I don't know how that works, but uh, I guess we'll find out they're, tomorrow. They're, they're, they would they would roll with uh, three A's rather than okay. a C so and two A's. Third A. Yeah. Uh, both Cam and Seth would wear it at the same time, I would think. Looking forward to that on Tuesday night against Montreal. My final thought, it's very quick. I am not an Ohio State fan, the farthest <laughs> thing from it, but death to the NCAA. <laughs> That's my final thought. <laughs> yeah. Free All Chase right. Young. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Elaine. My final thought is... I don't even know how to word it. Okay. I am disappointed in Hillary Knight calling the NWHL an over-glorified beer league. First of all, (laughs) the PHWA is uh, sponsored by Budweiser. (laughs) So that right there is just like the jokes make themselves. (laughs) Um, And the PHWA is not even really being... (laughs) Play. They're not really being paid. I didn't think um, maybe just by some of the like USA Hockey women are being paid, but my understanding is that they're trying to make something happen. So this the only professional league in North America currently, and you're tearing it down, and that's not helping women's hockey in any way whatsoever. And who is going to want to come fund a program when when you're trashing it? And then you're going to come to them and you want to be funded. They're going to look at you and say, like, well, you just trashed this professional league. What happens if this one doesn't work out? Are you going to turn on it, too? Like, that's what I'm thinking in my head. But also, I remember the first year that the league was in existence, the NWHL, and I covered the Buffalo Buttes. 
I just remember, like, there seemed to be a definite split between USA, a lot of the girls, women who played for USA hockey, and the ones who didn't. Almost like this undercut that they were definitely better than the ones who didn't make the team when, honestly, I'm sorry, but a lot of the women who are playing are very good. And it just doesn't grow the game in any way, shape, or form. I mean, those women get enough crap from from men <laughs> that don't even understand the sport of hockey. And they get it from a, a lot of crap from even announcers, which um, PD's going to talk about later. <laughs> I I just, I'm floored and I'm disappointed because she was such a spokesperson for growing the game and growing the sport. And she just set them back probably 10 steps. So that was a really long final thought. I'm really sorry. <laughs> no, but that's important. That's important. Thank you. Heartfelt. All right, PD. So we are recording this on November 11th, Veterans Day. Uh, as I sit here in my living room recording, I look at a display I have on the wall with some uh, memorabilia that my grandfather had collected when uh, he served in World War II. It was part of the 357th Fighter Group based in southern England. And, um, you know, he and his comrades were over there fighting a tyrant who had a very limited view of what his national identity should be. And anyone who did not fit that was seen as the other and was seen as somehow less than human and was deprived of, of all their rights. And that in many ways is something that reminds me of Don Cherry who has presented for 30 plus years a very narrow view of what hockey should be and a view that is very white, male, Canadian, and rooted in old-fashioned ways of playing the game that are totally out of odds with the direction the National League Hockey League is going. So when he made his statements this weekend, I was not surprised that he would say something like that. Uh, I was surprised that this was finally the, the last straw that led Sportsnet to removing him. But I think there, there is no room for the kind of statements that he's making to, because hockey is a sport, like all sports, that can, can bring people together. Now, we might root for different teams. We're on other sides in that regard. But we are united as fans by our love of the game. And it doesn't matter what country you're from. doesn't matter your, your gender, your sexual orientation, your religion, your political beliefs, your race. None of that matters as long as you love the game. And anyone from any background can play the game. And that's a great thing. Uh, I saw a stat this weekend that when Columbus was playing Colorado, and both of those teams have nine different nationalities on their roster. Hmm. And that is such a cool thing to me, I think, to see players from around the world coming together and, you know, for a common cause... It doesn't matter where they're from. They become brothers in that locker room over the course of the season. So I was glad to see Don Cherry gone. And I think that this kind of, this new world where we're coming together to love the sport, that is the kind of thing uh, that our veterans uh, are fighting for and that our service people are still fighting for today. Uh, and that's what we should be remembering on this day. Well said. Thank you. 
All right, that will just about do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. You should check out her new album, 430. You can stream it all over. You can find out more at angelapurley.com. Rate us and leave us a review on iTunes, and you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can join the discussion with us and talk to us and talk to fellow commenters at jacketscanon.com. That's where we are on the internet. You can tweet at us at cbjcanon. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.